0: Hello and welcome to the podcast for real-life heroines with Susanna Liller. Join us bi-weekly as alongside of you, we work toward answering the call, knowing that stepping into our destiny always involves going into the unknown and exploring new landscapes. This show talks about those new landscapes, what it took to get there, and the real challenges that take place for most of us along the journey. Heroines don't stay in their comfort zone. They follow their inner guidance to grow and evolve. From the School for Real-Life Heroines, your host, Susanna Liller.
1: Hello, welcome everyone to my podcast for Real-Life Heroines, where I get to interview women, real life heroines who have been on usually several heroines journeys, where they have left where they've been comfortable and tried something new, had a big change in their lives that usually, always actually, brings them into a much larger landscape and a much fuller, richer life. And I get blessed today to speak with Margaret Jones. Margaret, welcome.
2: you it's lovely to be here
1: I'm so glad to be here with you I was with you if you'll recall in May when you came and did a marvelous um, workshop on the heroine's journey with people here near me so we'll talk about that in a minute too but before we go there I would love to just say a few words about you and just some things from your bio if that's okay Margaret Jones has her master's in education, and she has a background in social work and education with a certificate in therapeutic storytelling, and I'll ask you to say a bit about that in a minute. She is an award-winning storyteller, workshop leader, tarot reader, which is how I met you and found my way to you, workshop leader, um, and travel guide. And she leads workshops on the heroine's journey, as well as fairy tales and myths. She's a published author, published author, Walking Sacred Sites. We're going to talk about that, and performer. And in her spare time, she travels the world in search of sacred sites, which is what her book is Walking Sacred Sites listening to their stories and let me just say margaret um i'm very disappointed that i missed out on your trip to wales which is in october correct yes and you do that with Jeannie fiorini and so i'm just gonna find out what's the next one and so i can get my name on the list do you know your next trip
2: I have a few things in the fire and because of this book, there have been these synchronistic events that have happened. So I meet people who meet people who pass my name on. So there are two possible trips. One would be to Scotland and the other one would be to the west coast of Ireland. So either one of them will happen either in the fall or the spring of 2024.
1: And people find, I'm I'm, I'm sharing this information now, usually I share it at the end, but I know people are gonna be excited to hear about this as I am. So the best way to be informed about when these open up is to know about your
2: website, correct? That would be the best way. And then my email address is on my website. So I can be contacted either way.
1: Okay, so we're going to have show notes for this podcast. However, I'm just going to tell you all right now. It's www.margaretwjones.net, and if I were you, friends, I would go right there so that you can sign up for that email list and um and get to know about because they fill up very quickly, as I found out. So then stepping back, Margaret, um, the way I met you was I found I was looking for a tarot card reader. And people said, Margaret Jones is really good. Actually, our mutual friend, David Lee, gave me your name and boy, it's like a door opened. And yes, I had a wonderful tarot card reader. But shortly after that, during the pandemic, Can you tell people what you and Jeannie were doing with your virtual travels and um,
2: and how that's available on your website too? Well, since we couldn't go anywhere and all of us were trapped at home, we decided we would travel to sacred sites virtually. So Jean Fiorini is also a tarot reader. So we combined our skills. So we combined my storytelling skills, my research skills, and then Jeannie was the one who came up with the tarot prompts. Um, I think I'm more of an intuitive tarot reader and she's very scholastic, really knows her cards and what they mean. So we combined a, a workshop, so to speak, an experience. So the experience was we would take people, we went to Ireland, Scotland, Wales, Brittany, the coast of Brittany, where all the King Arthur myths emerged from, and uh, Jordan, we went to Petra Jordan, and and Crete. We went to Crete as well. And in that, if there. they were about an hour long, the workshop itself was about an hour and a half, and we did some prompts, did some, Uh, tarot prompts along the way so they're on my website so actually they you can purchase them and actually take the experience and they're they're $30 they're they're very affordable they
1: are well worth it and the first one that I did was the one to Petra in Jordan and I didn't even know about Petra and I was I was stunned by the beauty of it by the um it's just, um, it's a presence, really. So I would encourage people also to, to look at at all of those, and um, especially if you can't go in person. But I'm going to now um, delve a little bit into you, Margaret, because as we were um, talking and planning about this interview, you mentioned your studying to be a social worker and how, and you, and a huge mistake that you made, but then a discovery that you made because you happened to take a course. And I know serendipity, synchronicity is important in your life as it is in mine. And I would think any expert in reading the tarot is all about that. So can you tell us about, because really this was a heroine's journey for you, where you answered a call to go
2: be a social worker. And then what happened? Well, and just a little prior to that, I was studying to be a dancer. So I was studying dance and theater in New York. I was teaching small children dance and I moved to Maine and did a little bit of work with Ram Island. If anybody has lived in the state of Maine for a while, the Ram Island Dance Company was around in the late eighties and, um, I felt like I shouldn't be doing it. And I think many of us have grown up with that message, get a job with a good pension, find a job that's steady and you get some retirement money. Right. So that has always been an undercurrent in my psyche that I I started to believe that living the life of a performer, living the life in the theater, and expressing myself that way was not the direction I should go. So I ended up going to social work school at the University of Southern Maine, USM. Um, Pursuing it, I I got a degree. I was working with battered women. It was an incredibly intense job. I then moved on to teenage mothers. So again, another gut wrenching immersive experience in people's pain and trauma so i decided well i need a master's in social work i should just really go for the masters it's a lucrative degree and it is there people always can get a job with an msw so i went to a college in boston i don't know if i should name the college but it was an outreach program coming to the state of maine and i it, it was a terrible experience. I was um, forced to memorize things. I got really angry. Um, we rebelled in the classroom. And then I was accused of um, cheating on an exam. Oh my so God. then I was brought down to the ethics review board
0: uh, wow. in
2: this college. And in that moment, I I as I'm sitting with all of these very, very powerful personalities sort of trying to grill me about why I wasn't doing well in school when I actually had not cheated. Um, I just knew that this was not the direction for me, but I didn't know what I wanted.
0: Right. So I ended
2: up going. How old were you, Margaret? I was in my 30s. So I was probably mid 30s at that. Well, maybe early 30s. So I decided, okay, maybe maybe a, a really good school with a really good degree is not my path. So I found an alternative college, Cambridge College in Cambridge, Massachusetts, which was geared for adult learners. And I took anything I wanted. Mm. I took the role of women in history. I took a group process class. But the one class that really changed the whole course of my focus in my work is called Autobiography is Storytelling. Hmm. And it was a storytelling class. And the professor encouraged me to write, to tell my story. And of course, usually it's your big story that comes out. So it was a story of a childhood trauma experience that I needed to work through in order to understand why I was holding myself back.
1: And
2: once I took that course, it changed everything about how I did my work. And at that point I was training um, adolescents to be peer listeners in high schools. So how to listen to other people's stories. And at that point I started getting money from the state of Maine. I wrote a curriculum. I made a CD with stories on them. And for 10 years at this, um, uh, day one was the organization I was working for at that point. I trained prof- I, professionals to be storytellers and to work with other people on how to bring their stories out. So you're saying that once you really
1: started doing what brought you joy, what you really wanted to learn about, doors started opening, things started
2: working for you. Yeah, no question. And yeah. I was able to, to do my work in a nonprofit, you know, so so I had the the freedom. So I did have a supervisor that let me do whatever I wanted. And I was able to bring money into the agency and to create a whole community of people wanting to learn how to tell stories Hmm. so then
1: there must be a whole nother story around how you got into reading
2: tarot yeah well that i think again i was in a, a marriage i wasn't very happy in and i was searching for a way to figure out my um my life path so synchronistically, I walked into a bookstore and there was the Rider Waite tarot deck, which is the classic deck most people start with. I brought it home, I had the book, and I just started to listen to audio tapes. This was a long time ago. So this was back in the late 70s. So I would memorize the cards, I would go to the Omega Institute and camp out, and take classes week-long courses with rachel pollock and mary greer and at some point the cards just started to speak to me
1: Hmm. they
2: just started to come alive and that's when i really let go of the book and i let go of the marriage so that was another courageous step is having the faith that the the guidance that I was receiving, that I was learning and receiving, was guiding me to the path I needed to take. So the tarot came before the storytelling. Okay. So there was, although the theater and dance came before the tarot. Well, so that they all feed into each other. Right, of course they do. And, you know,
1: so I'm thinking as you were describing what happened to you in that school and how you were punished I guess you know here's a woman with the sensibility of an artist a dancer being made to memorize something she doesn't and then accused of um cheating I mean yeah you were in the you were the proverbial square peg in a round hole and and but you had the courage to get out and you found your way I mean so often People look at mistakes in their lives, but maybe you you look at that as not so much of a mistake as a but a course correction that needed to happen. Yeah,
2: yeah. And living the life of a, of a creative, because I think there's there's so many of us in this world that feel like we need to fit into the, the square hole, and the square hole and society really support the sciences the stem classes and they're wonderful for those of us who are really good at it but there are also many of us that think on the other side of the brain you know that the intuitive is much more informative than the factual right but it's not as it's not as recognized and as celebrated So it becomes very difficult. You know, and coincidentally, I'm left-handed. So I would go into, it's like going into a classroom and sitting down and all the chairs are geared for a right-handed person. Mm. So my whole life, not only was I left-handed, but I was also very creative. So to sit in a classroom, literally, I had to lean over and try to adapt so that I could write the way everybody else wrote. And when I finally realized that that was not making me happy, and that I was making myself literally, I was having anxiety attacks. That I really needed to start to look at doing something differently, and that's when my world opened up. Yeah. So it it
1: occurs to me that um, you have been able to access areas that help you to to get that right brain, left brain, wholeness. Um, So that's one of the reasons I brought you and your workshop to the heroines in my neighborhood, because I've always been giving them the words and the write-up and the um, things to read, though we do other things too. But you, in that workshop, bring it to life because you use your storytelling to actually physically walk us through the journey and people were so taken by that and um do you want to say a few words just about that workshop how you came about it
2: to do it oh, that and that it took it took years for that to really come together i think it it took years to for that to unfold in the in the way that it does now um well, I think when I was in graduate school, I learned about different learning styles. So all of us have a different, some are kinesthetic, some have a bird's eye view, some are auditory. Um, so I wanted to somehow speak to each one of those learning styles, uh, you know, imagining that they were all sitting in the room with me. So what would I do that would allow all of them? to be able to understand what i was talking about um, so i adapted i have a vi- i have visuals i have kinesthetic it's an embodied experience right so right. in order to understand for me i have to i have to touch it i have to get inside it i have to swallow it in some ways uh-huh. so that it becomes my own it's not just a concept. It's not an intellectual concept. It's a personal one. Right. So I right. think that's the that's the attempt. And then I use music and all kinds of things. To... Imagine, tarot cards. I wonder if you could, because
1: I find this so powerful about it, and it, it's the, your whole storytelling. Well, you call it your storytelling voice. Margaret's storytelling voice. And that comes through in everything that you do. But I wonder, I didn't I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this, but it just came to me. So when you start that workshop and you start, we are on a journey. Can you just say in your storytelling voice just a few lines from that?
2: When I begin, I'm trying to think of how I begin that. So it's really about once upon a time. Yeah. So yeah. as soon as we hear the words once upon a time a curtain drops in our psyche and we lay out a stage and we get ready for something to begin so there's a sense of preparedness and a readiness that our body mind spirit understands and looks forward to so it bypasses our blocks and it gets right to the heart of our experience and we do it in a way that's creative and imaginative but at the same time we're working our unconscious is constantly working constantly figuring something out and problem solving thank you that's so people watching and listening
1: see what I mean I mean who wouldn't want to keep going with that but I have to I have to switch a bit because I want to have time to talk about your book, Margaret. And so that had to be bringing, coming up with this, had to have been another heroine's journey for you. How did the seed get planted where you said, okay, I have all this going on. I need to write
2: a book. And I have to say the seeds of this, this dream started when I was 10 years old. So I always, always wanted to be a writer and I, I identify as a writer in many ways. So for years I have kept journals and diaries, I've written articles, so, but small articles around storytelling. But I think right before the pandemic, I've been part of a writing group for over 25 years. So stacks and stacks of things that I've written so the pandemic was a perfect opportunity to be home alone with all of my journals and my photographs so i started to come up with a a schedule where i would get up and i would i would write and i probably have another book i could write i could have made it twice as long as it is but i wanted to condense it and write it the way I would want to buy. So it's not a Rick Steves, this is how you get there. It's really how to enter a space. And any space can be sacred. I just happened to go to England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, and Jordan in this book. But any space can be considered sacred. And then to write about my experience what, what is happening inside me as I walk this land outside me. So some of it is description of what I see. Some of it are memories that come to me. Oftentimes my ancestors will show up. Um, Some, it's a lot of stories around, um, there's several about, about nuns who have sacrificed their lives for their higher calling in this book. Um, there's, there's gods and goddesses. So Petra, for example, um, most people go to look at one thing, which is called the treasury, which is the iconic photograph you see when you see Petra. But I wanted to find the gods and the goddesses. I wanted to see where the dead were buried. I wanted to have the experience of what was happening inside. As I was walking through this ancient ancient landscape so that's what I wrote and I had good editors and it's it's an incredibly vulnerable feeling I have to say like having because a- it's not a bestseller you know I'm not I didn't write a mystery and so there's all this um vulnerability about putting my words out into the world um and it's it's hard to stop the voices of, well, how many did I sell today? Or, you know, is it is it the top ten? That's not that's not the point. And I'm telling myself this at this point. The the point is I I long to share my stories with the world. And I love to write and I love to show you where I've been. So that's why this book is out in the world. And Susanna, I have to say, the gifts that come with that are humbling. They are truly humbling. Uh, people who reach out to me, um, people who say how deeply they feel what I've written. I've met travel agents who are willing to um, work with me yeah. I have people who have invited me to do workshops and talks. um it's It's been extraordinary some of the responses that I've gotten. It's
1: sort of the same thing when you were talking about um, learning to do therapeutic storytelling and how the doors started opening there and and mm. here it sounds like the same thing. So I maybe this is impossible for you, Margaret. but as you just sort of think about those places that are in the book, can you even say the place that strikes me to my very soul the most is?
2: um, I'll just go with the first one that comes up because that's the one that I've been kind of contemplating on on a deeper level is the Burren in Western Ireland. The Burren, B-U-R-R-N, which is a national park in the west of Ireland.
1: Ah. Mm-hmm.
2: And it is a magical, it's extremely magical. So I just, um, I have some, I met this wonderful young travel agent who had books that I'd never heard of before that he loaned to me. So I've been reading deeper about the fairy rings, the ley lines that are beneath the barren, the holy wells that are there. Um, I mean, it's been a pilgrimage site for tens of thousands of years, hmm. Hmm. but I could easily tell you about, you know, it's sort of like, so that's what I've been reading about lately. Right. But, um, I could easily go on to another one of them, like Petra. <laughs> you know, so, Do you think you would ever take a group there? I, I, t- I did go on a tour, so I, I paid somebody to, to take me there. I, I would have to see, I, it's only because the great, the British Isles are sort of my familiar landscape, your heritage. Yeah. But I, I, um, there are other ways to travel besides me driving people and renting a house. So there may be other ways in which that can be accomplished. Margaret,
1: we we um have talked about a lot of things and I I know that you wanted to particularly just say maybe a couple of things in our during our conversation about the challenges that come up when you're when you're following your path. So it's one thing to put the voices of our culture, our parents, you know, you have to make money, what you were talking about before. There has to be a regular paycheck and security and follow your path, leave that behind. But then more challenges happen. And what did you want to say about that?
2: Well, I think challenges are inevitable yeah. and challenges are unpleasant. That I have multiple unpleasant feelings that, that surface in the book, you know, not every trip is, um, an oasis trip and not every experience in transition is an easy one. Most of us, I would say, wait until it gets so bad. So that means your, you know, your, um, irritable bowel is so bad. You can't function anymore, or the marriage is so painful, you can't uh, abide it anymore. What I, I think what's most important for all of us is to listen to the signs, to look around us that that we are being um, spoken to and communicated with all the time. So doors are opening around us we don't pay attention. I I don't always pay attention to this, to the gifts that are being presented to me. The little, the breadcrumbs, like in the Hansel and Gretel story, the breadcrumbs that are being put down, we try too hard to to problem solve them. So oftentimes, and uh, I admit I'm one of them, I wait until I can't stand it anymore. And then and then change anything is better than the feeling that i'm in but our gods and goddesses our our guardians would be so happy if we would just listen to the signs a little bit easier that our lives don't have to be fraught with um um, tension made decision making that it can be trusting the universe and in the grand law of stories, in the grand law of storytelling, help always comes. Yeah. But you have to ask for it, right? You, you have to have your
1: eyes open, paying attention. So maybe that might look like um, you've been in this this job where you've had this boss, but the boss keeps saying no to you about what you want and you finally have to pay attention to that. I mean, signs can be all kinds of things, right?
2: Yes, it can be an animal that shows up. One time I was trying to make a decision. I was driving in Sanford, Maine. For anybody who lives in Maine, it's, it's in the country. And all of a sudden a coyote just ran across the road. I had never seen a coyote before. So I knew this was an important moment. For me to pay attention to what i was trying to make a decision about and how that animal was there to assist me to pay better attention to my decision making so a dream dreams can be very powerful conversations with friends things that you pick up that you remember um, articles even a tv program there are oftentimes a sentence or a, a conversation that's providing information for you. So all of those are informing us, even picking a tarot card. I mean, if anyone has one, pick a card a day and see what the pattern is that's unfolding. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, you know how in fairy
1: fairy tales often the the power of three, right? And if I'm making a decision, this is how I went to France for the first time. Um, I was contemplating it, so much money, what about the time, you know, and it just within maybe a two-day period of time, three different women, not at all connected, who I was just happening to meet with, said, oh my gosh, Suzanne, I have to tell you that I just got back from France, you know, and then another one, totally disconnected, telling me about her trip, and I At the third one, I said, okay, three is the charm. I have to do this. And of course, talk about opening a huge, humongous, wonderful door. I went. Yeah. So sometimes it's the words of your friend.
2: Yes. Or people you don't know. Right. Right. Multiple messages all coming at the same time. Right.
1: Right. Um, Well, I have to bring our conversation to a close. And I think what I'd like to do, because you have shared so much wisdom and I really encourage people to go to your website and look for those virtual travels and and make sure they, they will hear about your trips coming up and your tarot reading. But um, I'm wondering, as you've shared all this during our conversation, if people were only to take away one thing, what would you want to be sure that they heard from you and that they remembered?
2: Um, I think it's, uh, it would, I, again, I'll, I'll go with the first thing that comes to my mind is to, to trust your intuition, trust your instincts that, um, The the invisible world is with us all the time, and stories are a beautiful way to access our unconscious, that that sort of collective unconscious that has the deeper wisdom in all of us. So um, to try to relax, I think relaxing is a big word for me these days, and just trust that what you're doing is the right thing to be doing. Even if you're feeling stuck in the moment, trust that this is about working something out before you go to your next step.
1: What good advice. And and even if you're feeling like you're lost, it could be that, well, that's where I am on the journey, but I wouldn't have been brought to this place if it wasn't where I needed to be in the moment. Yeah
2: you know, Frodo and Sam, Samwise, you know, lost in the forest with the, with the ring that there were many times they just had to sit and rest for a few nights and that they didn't get anything accomplished, but to just hold the pattern until they got to the mountain.
1: Margaret, I have enjoyed this so much. I know that the people listening or viewing us will certainly get a lot out of it and you know it just I need to hear your messages and remember because I get going 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 and I am so much in my head and forget about this great gift of our intuition which can be accessed and I know that there's probably people out there that are saying what you're talking about invisible world and so there's probably some skepticism there so here's one last question i can't seem to end this <laughs> what would you say to them who are saying i what do you mean invisible
2: world i would say one thing that um einstein always quoted and i love this quote that if you want basically he says if you want your children but if you want to be um, brilliant, listen to stories. If you want to be a genius, listen to more stories. Listen to stories, sing, dance, remember your dreams, go find some um, fantasy books and read. So it's, it's just accessing in a different way. And the only way you can do that is literally through the arts. You know, Thomas Merton said the closest way, the best way you can get to your soul is to sing, to dance, and to pray. So meditation, prayer, all of those are ways in which you can access and bypass the the thinking mind. Truly,
1: there can't be a better way to end our wonderful call than that, Margaret. I thank you so much for taking your time to be with us today and to share your, share your wisdom. Thank you, Susanna. You're a wonderful interviewer. So I <laughs> made it easy. Thank you, And I look forward to our next conversation and everyone listening. Thank you for being here, spending your time with Margaret and with me. And I hope you'll join me when I have my next um, conversation with a heroine, a real life heroine in two weeks. Okay. Blessings to everybody.
0: You've been listening to the podcast for real life heroines with Susanna Liller. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to connect with Susanna outside of the show, please do. You can email Susanna at SusannaLiller.com and visit the website at SusannaLiller.com. Let's get social. Instagram at Susanna Liller. Facebook, Susanna Liller, author, speaker, and coach. Don't forget to subscribe to the show for easy access to our next episode. And a like and review would be very helpful. Until next time, remember to follow your inner guidance to grow and evolve.